A new commandment. Why is it called new? Why is it called a commandment? Let's have a look at this. The commandments are, we often take them as a set of laws. Of things that must be done. That um, If you don't obey them, you're in trouble. If you do, everything's fine. It's kind of a, a police state, basically. Just everybody does as they're told and everything's fine. But that's if we take the commandments as law, L-A-W. But I reckon they're much better understood as law, L-O-R-E. And law is an entire system of how to understand how to be a human being in a particular culture. It's about how to be a child, how to be a parent, how to live well, how to die well. Uh, It's all the things that make up a culture. It's the whole story of being human. The Ten Commandments, as we have them, were the PowerPoint, PowerPoint slides for the Jews. They weren't the law, they were the headline underneath which comes a whole way of being. So when it says you should honour your father and mother, it doesn't, it's no full stop there. That's the beginning of, oh, that reminds me. Yes, there's a whole way of being that we should. So I'm reminded by the Ten Commandment, the Ten, that commandment, but, but it, that's not what it's, that's not its beginning and end. That's just the headline that opens up the whole thing. So when Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new commandment, he is saying, I am inviting you into a way of being alive in the world, to being fully human, to be reminded that there's a whole sense of what it means to be human and to be fully alive. So it's law, L-O-R-E, not law, L-A-W. That's an expansive way of understanding why Jesus chose the word commandment when he said he has a new commandment. But why does he choose the word new? Because, well... It's not new. All the way through the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, the headlines, the PowerPoint slides themselves were instructed to love. And Jesus himself said that the whole of the commandments can be summed up in love the Lord your God and love each other. He says this in in the Gospel of Matthew. So the idea that uh, this is new doesn't make any sense. Why is he saying it's new? Well, It's new because Jesus says, you must love each other. And then he gives a clue to that. He said, the way you do that is the way I have loved you. Well, how has Jesus loved? Well, how has he just loved? If you read back prior to this reading, there's the reading of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. They've just come together in what we've, in some gospels, they call the upper room. And he's just done the most shocking act that's so disturbed the disciples. He's turned the world upside down by going from teacher to servant. Doing something deeply embarrassing, deeply upsetting, deeply confusing. So confusing that Peter, the disciple, is unwilling to accept it. The same Peter who gets a vision from heaven in the story of Acts. A vision from heaven. And he contradicts it. By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. So sure is Peter of the nature of the world, the way the world truly works, the structure of the world, that even a voice from heaven can't shift it. 
He's so sure of who's in and who's out and how the world works that he has to be told three times, which of course is significant as we know in the life of Peter, three times before he gets his act together and understands what's really going on. And in the foot washing, Peter says, you should not wash my feet. You will never wash my feet. In other words, I know how the world works. And if you're going to go and do something so obscene as to act as a servant, as a slave, I don't want anything to do with it because that is not the way the world operates. But it is, according to Jesus. There is another truth in the world that contradicts everything Peter thinks he understands. It says right at the beginning of of the Gospel of John that Jesus came, the Word came, but the world did not know him. The world did not accept him. Why? Because he was really nice and we're not. Because he was very moral and we're not so moral most of the time. Because he looked like God. Well, maybe he did a bit in some of the things he did. But don't we all look a bit like God sometimes when we do good things? Well, why couldn't the world accept him? Not because he was a good person and everybody else wasn't. But because he worked on a completely different assumption about the way the world worked. The world, it says, it seems, according to Jesus, has a completely different structure. Love is the underlying structure, the architecture of the universe, which sounds so insane and so counter what we know, what we've experienced, that it doesn't make any sense to us. We find it difficult to accept. It's a bit like gravity being the underlying structure of the universe. We know this to be true, so true that we don't really debate it. We And and usually, unless we're stupid, we don't usually try and prove it wrong. And sure, there's flight and there's hot air balloons. And if we've never experienced them before, they can seem very strange. And still now, I can watch a plane go overhead, particularly if I'm near the airport and it's taking off or landing. And I cannot believe something so big is in the air, even though I've been in them. But gravity is the structure of the universe. And and if you work against it, you can't really function well in the world. I don't know if you know the the theatre company, the physical theatre company, Gravity and Other Myths, one of the great theatre companies of Australia, began here in Adelaide. They performed at the Adelaide Festival uh, opening this year. They perform a lot in Adelaide. They make gravity look like a myth. If you've never seen them, go on, on to YouTube and have a look. It, it doesn't appear that they've, they've taken account of gravity at all. They just appear to be ignoring it. Well, I think what Jesus is saying to us is that that's how we live. We ignore the structure and reality of the world. That the world is actually structured in love. The actual purpose of the, of the universe is love. That's why I keep Jesus in John's Gospel particularly, but in the others as well. He keeps going on about you look, but you don't see because you've already made assumptions about the way the world is. You're hearing, but you're not really listening. This is the assumption Jesus lives. That's why he looks so confusing to people all the time. 
Unless we see the same assumption as Jesus, we'll always be confused. Nicodemus, in the same gospel, a learned, religious, pious, careful man, a good member of Athelstan Uniting Church he would make. He's like us. He's a good bloke trying to do the best he can and make sense of what God is saying. He is completely flummoxed when Jesus says to him, you need to be born from above. What does that possibly mean? We get him end up saying, well, how can a person go back into his mother's womb? I mean, how did he get to this point? It's because he's worked on so much, so many different assumptions about the world that the world is structured differently than Jesus knows it to be. That to be born from above, at least one of its meanings is to recognise the true nature of the world. Nicodemus, Peter, all of us, to use this particular language of that little verse, we all need to be born from above. Because the truth, as Jesus keeps going on and on about in the Gospel of John, the truth is something other. And he said, it's so completely different that I'm going to send God into your lives, the Spirit. And the Spirit will lead you into all truth. And truth is very simple. It's things as they really are. Not things as you want them to be, as you fervently wish they were. Not things as they're supposed to be, according to a set of rules or a set of cultural assumptions, but just things as they really are. It's not... Only correct people allowed. It's not, oh no Lord, I won't eat that. Or no Lord, don't do this or don't do that. Don't wash my feet. It's things as they are in reality. And the truth, according to Jesus, which is the only way to make sense of any of the things he says and does, is that the truth is that the structure of the universe is love. The first order and driving force of the universe is love. We get it right at the beginning God makes things, and the first thing God says about the things God makes is, it's good. Well, that's not the structure of the universe we're used to, but that's what we get. And Paul says in a passage we're so used to hearing, the passage about love in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains and I do not have love, I am nothing. Now that could be just rhetoric, it could be just wonderful poetry. But what if it's true? What if there really is nothing other than love? What if to not be engaged in, immersed in, wrapped in love, is to not be alive at all? In fact, it goes on so much that one John, one of the three letters of John that we have, which many scholars believe was written probably by the same hand as the Gospel of John, but at least within the same community or school, goes so far as to say God is love. There is nothing beyond that. So Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. I give you. It's a gift. It's always been a gift. Everything is a gift. Relax. It's a gift. Your life has been given to you. Just say that and sit down. And then get up and say it again next week and next week and the week after and the week after because I know it's true, but I don't know that it's true. I don't live like this. 
I give you a gift, a new, something that turns the world upside down. As Jesus has just done in washing the disciples' feet, I give you a new commandment, a whole of life, a culture, a way of being fully alive and human. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, that you live in the true nature of things. You live in the reality of the world, that you love one another just as I have loved you. See how I have lived? Jesus is saying, with different assumptions, with different understandings, that's how you can live. You should also live that way. You should also love one another. We should also live with those same assumptions. Not the same, not a set of moral precepts that we have to follow, just a reality of the way the world really is. It's as simple as that. Let me give you a quick example because I really should finish. We're having a national election, as everyone knows. What would it look like if our two major political parties were to work on a different assumption they do about something like the job seeker allowance, which has had a slight increase of $25 a week since COVID. It was doubled during COVID and made an enormous amount of difference to a whole lot of people. But we work on a different assumption. We work on the assumption that people are out to rot the system, so we need to make it hard to get. We need to make it hard to stay on. And we need to make it punitive enough so that you know that you're being punished by being unemployed. It's well below the poverty rate. What if our government was to live with a different assumption? That not everybody is out to rot the system. Not even everybody at the top end of town where there's a fair bit of it going on. What would it look like? If we worked on a different assumption about what individuals need and want, what their true motivations are, what if we assume that people really want to keep body and soul together and live with dignity and contribute to community? What would a job seeker allowance look like then? See, it has real practical implications. Yes, look, some people will rot the system. Some people at the big end of town are rotting the system. That's what happens, and we have, you know, we have to put in trying ways of dealing with that but what if we worked on a different assumption what if it's all based on love what if Richard Dawkins ideas in The Selfish Gene that 1975 book which has revolutionised not only gene technology and thinking but social thinking that the world is full of selfish people that we need to keep an eye on each other and we all should get as as much as we can as soon as we can because if we don't somebody else will get it what if As biologists are discovering all over the place, it's not that simple. There's much more going on than the selfish gene. There's gene expression where genes need to cooperate with each other, even at the most basic level. And I'm way outside of my understanding when I'm saying these things, so you can contradict me later if you like, because I'm I'm only reading these things myself uh, at this point in in my time. But, but there's something about cooperation going on there. What if it, que- it makes us question what we assume to be the basic structure of the universe? And what if it really is love? Let's sing. A new commandment. Let's sing it together. A new commandment I give unto you.